All right, welcome everybody to the Brian Progressi Podcast. That's me. My guest today is Taylor Clark Johnson, who I'm really excited to have with me. I'm in Asheville, North Carolina today, and we've known each other for a long time, had a lot of different um, experiences together. Um, and so it's great to have a chance to just connect and drop in deeply and and uh, continue to explore this question of Tantra. What is Tantra? Uh, Taylor's done a lot of uh, training in this realm and study and application himself. So he's a great person to ask. And uh, what exactly is Tantra, Taylor? People, it's like a term that feels like that is used so many different ways, you know, it has so many different, it's like it's not always clear what exactly people are talking about when they use the term. So what does it mean to you? <laughs> uh, what is Tantra? First, I just want to say thank you for having You're me welcome. here. You're welcome. It's awesome to be here with you. Yeah. And thank you all to everybody who's listening for, for being here with us. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to be here and talk about this and ask questions too. Yeah. So <laughs> asking what is Tantra to me is sort of like asking what is pizza, you know, or what is like pasta. There's so many different variations and, and what most people know of as Tantra today is not what Tantra traditionally was as part of yoga back in, you know, many, 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 many years ago. But I'll just speak for myself. For me, Tantra is the practice of being aware of the energy that runs through everything and being aware of how I'm a part of that and bringing that awareness into everything that I do or making that a practice of bringing that awareness into everything that I do. Mm -hmm. And part of that is sex and sexuality. And I've done a lot of trainings in what's known as Neo-Tantra, which is specifically the combination of sexuality and energetic practices, spiritual practices, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I found a lot of value in that. And I found a lot of value in playing with these principles outside of the sexual realms too, like in my work, in how I walk when I'm in the grocery store, in how I walk when I'm downtown, how do I make eye contact with other people who are strangers, you know? How do I show up when I get triggered? All of that to me is encompassed in Tantra. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's like the integration of these aspects that have been that have been considered not to be spiritual, not to be sacred, or somehow to be bad or evil. And um, maybe it's because people. I, I'm thinking like maybe it's because there's such powerful energies that people were challenged by them. So the, the whoever the authorities were were just like, oh, well, that's don't even don't even address that. That's too too much, you know. Mm-hmm. But now where it's like, no, if we want to really come into our wholeness and our fullness, we need to be able to embrace and integrate all these different parts of ourselves. Yeah. Where my mind goes with that is directly to religion. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and the um, the spread of different kinds of religions throughout time, and how um, so much of that in history has has completely avoided the topic of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not avoided, but like actually said sexuality is sinful or bad or mm-hmm. will will hurt you, you know? And it's not just Christianity that does that. Like multiple religions have mm-hmm. that have had that view on sexuality. And you gotta wonder why? You know, why is that the case? Is it just because it feels good? Is it because it's we have all this emotion wrapped up in it? Or is it 
also partially because there is powerful, powerful energy tied up with our yeah. sexuality. And that if we get in touch with that and if we're able to move that and be aware of it, that we might actually be more powerful humans just all the time, you know? And we'd be less likely to be able to be controlled by, uh, by governments or leadership that might be tyrannical, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's like where the creative energy lies, right? Like the sexual energy is the creative energy. So when you're accessing this uh, sexual energy, you're also accessing the creative energy, which you could apply to creating your life and being more empowered with your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will say that, so there are, you know, again, depending on who you ask, there's so many different ways you can go into Tantra. But I like this... Um, delineation of three different kinds of tantra white tantra red tantra and black tantra Mm -hmm. if you will um and i think one thing that these religions got right in some way in their like pushing away of sexuality was the correct identification of there being really powerful energies there Mm. and that if they are used in an unhealthy way then yeah you can totally get caught up in a cycle of um carnal non attack or non connected to something greater type activities or sexual seeking behavior and in tantra that's known as red tantra and it's what happens when people they they merge their sexuality and their spirituality but they get so attached to the sexual that they lose sight of the greater picture they lose sight of the larger energies that are happening and they lose sight of their ability to give to the world and that's, that feels like an important piece to bring up that yes, you can get lost in this sexuality piece too if you're not attached to a greater intention or a greater mission or a greater energy. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you did a, a, a practice or a, a exercise or an experiment. I'm not sure what you would call it, but uh, following... By the way, Taylor has a really great uh, Instagram presence <laughs> that I really... Uh, really appreciate and uh, so I want to actually get more into some things on there but one thing is that you did 30 days recently of abstaining from what sexual contact with others and but there was more to it right yeah there was a lot to it so I recently had a birthday it was June 3rd and for the month of June I wanted to give myself the gift of of daily practice and complete celibacy just Mm -hmm. to see what that would be like Mm -hmm. so complete celibacy to me included physical sexual contact with people Mm -hmm. no kissing no sex no anything like that Mm -hmm. but also energetic and emotional celibacy too so what that means is that i didn't flirt with anybody for that entire month and i didn't allow my mind to linger on people that i found to be attractive like if i saw somebody at the grocery store who was attractive i would notice them and be done like bring my energy back mm-hmm. in take a deep breath and move along i wouldn't spend time lingering on people's faces on social media if they popped up and i i didn't allow myself to get on any dating app or anything like that and during that time i was meditating every day and doing a sexual qigong practice every day. So it was sort of like a sexual reset for my entire system. Also, no porn, no nor pornography during that time. And that's just a practice of mine in general because my life is better when I don't watch <laughs> porn. <laughs> that's a, that could be a topic for a whole other podcast. Well, I'm going to ask you about that, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so that was my that was my intention for the month of June and I did it and it felt amazing and I actually did it for almost 
almost two months, a month and a half, I would say, before I ended up kissing somebody else. And that happened earlier this week, and it was really sweet. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that, what did you learn from that experience? What did I learn from that experience? I learned that there was, in the, when I am, quote unquote, available for connection, mm-hmm. or when I had been available for connection in the past, I wasn't aware of just how much energy I was spending on being available, you know, and by that, I mean, letting my mind linger on different people, letting my mind go into fantasy story of like, ooh, what would it be like to be in relationship with them? Ooh, what would it be like to have sex with them? Ooh, they seem like they'd be fun to connect with, you know, like that kind of thinking takes up so much bandwidth. Mm. It can take up so much bandwidth, you know, and then the thinking of like, ooh, should I go initiate contact with this person? Who could I reach out to for a date? Like all of that just takes time and energy. And for me, I've been in a place of really wanting to build, um, build, <laughs> I guess you could say an online empire, but at least a huge online presence of positive sexuality in the world. And right now, that looks like putting almost all of my energy there and not as much in the dating and sexual connection realm. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I But that's really interesting, though. It's like, it's like, it feels like that practice was really deepening into the now. Like, I'm not getting caught in thinking about the future, essentially, mm-hmm. or the past. So it's like in our it's it's really fascinating because like mental energy is it's like actually a, a way of like you said like distracting ourselves from our deeper power which is in the present moment mm-hmm. which is not really the root of our lower chakra sexual energy we're just like kind of in the head thinking about different ideas of things totally. right so it's like if you're if you really become present and like I'm not going to get distracted there um it seems like you'd really tap into this like deeper life force that's present in the moment. Yeah. And I want to, I want to just go back on something that I just said, which I forget my exact word, but something about how I didn't want to focus as much on sexuality and I wanted to focus more on building this online empire with that. I do want to say I am regularly self pleasuring and I do believe it's possible to experience sexual connection with other people and have it not be this majorly distracting thing, but have this be, have it be this generative force that brings in more creative Mm -hmm. energy and more Mm -hmm. power, more vibrancy. And that was my experience earlier this week. And because I had just done this month of celibacy, I was able to approach that scenario with more clarity and more presence and ease and less, less headiness. Mm -hmm. You know, is there, uh, this is a fun question. Is there a conscious way to masturbate and a more unconscious way to <laughs> masturbate? Like, can it become sort of like a, a meditative experience or a sacred experience? Yeah. <laughs> I always love the, the question about conscious masturbating or conscious anything. Uh, like, I have not yet masturbated while I've been asleep <laughs> that I know of. Um, I think... <laughs> maybe with more intention? Maybe with more intention mm-hmm. I can masturbate while mm-hmm. I sleep. Um, yeah, I think there, there are definitely different ways that a person can masturbate. And I like to use the semantic distinction, masturbation versus self-pleasure. And if you look at the etymology of the word masturbation, it, it literally means to defile by the hand Mm. going back in time, which is kind of a head trip in itself. Mm. Um, but for me, like bringing in the new terminology of self-pleasuring, it allows me to focus more on pleasure versus just like the getting off habit that I had built up through my entire life up until I, you know, started exploring this stuff through masturbation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could, you could, if you're, if you have a cock, you could whack off to porn or you could masturbate, like thinking about some sort of 
fantasy scenario, and that's all well and good. And another option would be to create a sort of meditative experience for yourself. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be super slow, but it might mean you're just very mindful of what's happening for you in that Mm -hmm. moment. And you're bringing your full presence to your pleasure, and you're making pleasure your goal versus orgasm or versus ejaculation as the goal, which is generally what most guys do and 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 leads into something that you've become <clears throat> pretty passionate about and made a a ted talk application i know last i heard yeah. about which is uh what you call semen retention mm-hmm. yeah and that leads into something bigger for me i think with tantra that's really fascinating and it's a it's kind of this misconception that's almost necessary it seems like I think for most of us, we, we, we start to explore it. It's like we want a better result. We want better sex. We want better orgasms. We want better. Mm-hmm. We want something. We want some end result that's better than what we have, you know? So then yet, that's your starting point to entry. But then as you go into it, what you discover is it's all about not having a goal, but just being present with what's totally. <laughs> arising, right? <laughs> yeah. which, which leads to like a different way of approaching sex where for men, it's like, you know, the, the kind of the, the way previous is like, I just want to get to the, the release, the ejaculation, I just want to get off mm-hmm. and I'm going to use this person to get me there. Um, yep. Yep. Whereas you become more into um, tantric consciousness, you're just present in the moment, right? But what does that mean to you? Like, I think it means, it's interesting because I think it means, it means not having a goal, although you could consciously, intentionally, consensually have a goal right. as well. It kind of opens you up to all the possibilities, mm-hmm. right? Where before you were just, I would say unconscious in the sense of like, you don't know what else is available to you. Yeah. But, but as you become more available, it's, it's like, I think regardless of whatever, it, whether there's intention or not, you're still present in the moment. Mm-hmm. So you're just, um, it's like a practice of mindfulness, presence, all these words people use. Totally. Um, meditative. Um, self-awareness mm-hmm. aware of your partner really being present with him or her really having this sense I think that's where intimacy arises too right it's like if yeah. you're not present you're not intimate totally and then within that you could be and let's let's you know explore this or let's explore that or totally yeah I think that's a really important distinction and that is to break away from the autopilot of what we've learned about sex from society and what mm-hmm. we've learned about energy mm-hmm. from society and, and reevaluate, like, how do I show up in the sexual experience? Like mm-hmm. what programs am I running? How am I showing up on autopilot? Like, am I just going for the penetrative sex? Am mm-hmm. I just going for the ejaculation? Like, what is my drive here? Mm-hmm. Is it controlling me or am I driving this experience that, you know, two very different things. And when you, start to get into that, I think a common misconception about Tantra or Taoist sexuality, which is another esoteric tradition around this stuff, is that there's this idea in some people's minds that ejaculation is bad and will spiritually harm you or something. I don't believe that at all. I, I do believe that excess mindless ejaculation is hurtful, but if you're coming to it with presence and intention, then you can totally have a more like ejaculation focused sex session if that's what you want like you and your Mm -hmm. partner can like totally have a two-minute quickie and ejaculate Mm -hmm. and it can be the most amazing thing ever because it's not your autopilot 
mm-hmm. you know, because you know that there's something else possible and you're able to go to those other realms. But in this moment, you're deciding to have this experience. Yeah. It's like the art of living. Live artfully and live masterfully yeah. and, and not just respond to your carnal um, programs. Yeah. Art of living. I like that a lot. Yeah, from, from a <clears throat> biological, energetic standpoint, like we've talked about this a bit, like I've discovered, I think, similar to what you discovered is if what if I'm ejaculating all the time, um, you know, multiple times a day or something, energetically I'm just really depleted. I'm really like weak physically. I don't feel strong. I feel my brain's not as sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, where if I can learn to um, be actually in a state of arousal, but then circulate the energy, I become more 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 empowered, more clear, more focused, more vital, more energized, strong, mm-hmm. more creative, all these things, you know? So it's like this life force is circulating and it's not being depleted. Um, yeah. But then I think it's like what I'm learning too is like tuning into myself, there can be a, a sense of like, oh, actually it would be good to release that energy in this moment. Totally. You know, so like you said, like the art of living and feeling into um, what's right for you in that, in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I'm happy that that's your experience. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like so much, so much this, whatever you're, you know, even if, I don't, you don't have to use the term in spiritual, but so much of these practices are all about self-awareness. Right. You know, becoming aware of what's happening inside you. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about Tantra is it's relational. Totally. Right. So it's like, and becoming what's happening in your partner. Mm-hmm. And that's what creates great relationship is when you're aware of yourself and your partner yeah and and um what (laughs) that brings up for me i mean you said the word spiritual like ultimately Mm -hmm. that that brings me to the point of evaluating what that even means what does it mean to be spiritual does Uh it mean that i'm sitting in a meditative state and i'm trying to achieve some sort of elevated consciousness or is it also spiritual to show up in right relationship with my lover you know, present mm-hmm. with them and, and not carrying my baggage in from the day. Like, can that yeah. also be a spiritual practice? Yeah. You know, and I think, I think that it can. Yeah. So I don't, like, I used to have this idea that spiritual was uh, relegated to just quote unquote spiritual experiences, you know, uh-huh. that, were, that were high states of consciousness or whatever. But yeah. it's all, to me, it can all be um, spiritual. And that's the ideal for me, at least. Yeah. This brings up another really, I think, really rich subject, which is, I think when I first started getting to the Tantra world or just something in this realm of spirituality and sexuality, mm-hmm. um, my thing, I think, is the feeling for many people is that it should be really soft and gentle and light and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, so then... So then you start, to, as you go deeper into yourself, you're like, but wait, there's all these other parts of myself that want to be acknowledged and honored too. And there's all these other parts of your partner that want to be potentially acknowledged and honored too. So mm-hmm. I think then there's this journey of realizing that you can, you can access these parts of yourself that may, your mind may not think is spiritual mm-hmm. and they're totally sacred as well. And it can be really powerful ways to connect with another and with yourself. Totally. Like what? For example, is on your mind. So, I think it's really fascinating, like, things that are more, like, primal or animal, 
mm-hmm. right? It's like, well, that's not spiritual. That's just, those are just animal. There's like animals bad. We make animal bad. Mm-hmm. But why is an animal bad? Animal, animal is, is, you know, we are animals. We are mammals. We are primates. So to be able to acknowledge these more um, animal primal aspects that may be more what are rough sex, right? These kind of things that can be consensual with, with two people that can be um, energizing, exciting, interesting, open up different parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, this brings us also into BDSM play, which can I've, I've found is like almost like an untapped resource. Like totally. the power that can be accessed there. So it's just it's just the whole realm of like wow it's like if you bring this consciousness to like it could be you know I think we're all still learning what the possibilities are right you know yeah and and I think that's it if you bring this consciousness yeah, yeah. you know are you doing these things out of autopilot or are you bringing awareness and intention mm-hmm. to them like what is mm-hmm. what is it that makes something sacred mm-hmm. it's your intention mm-hmm. and how you show up in that moment so. Yeah. A good example for this is, is and we, we had a little online back and forth about yeah. this, is objectification, right. like sexual objectification of your partner, romantic or sexual partner or whatever. There is a very uh, non-easeful, possibly non-healthy way to do that where you're operating on autopilot and you see your partner as a sex object without... Um, valuing them as a as a whole person and it's it's easy to fall into that trap or you see other people out there as like as sex objects another option would be if you are with your partner you could have conversation around how fun it could be to objectify them you know Mm -hmm. or how fun it could be to be objectified yourself and if you have that conversation then you can play with that again it's like the the art of living like bring your intention and awareness to it and then all of a sudden you can have a great powerful totally spiritual experience with objectifying your partner in sexual realm and it's awesome it's like whatever we um repress or suppress becomes the shadow right totally. and unconsciously comes out in distorted ways and ways that are harmful mm-hmm. but if we can just acknowledge it and we can integrate it into ourselves and, and really make something that potentially is really beautiful or um, intimacy creating yeah. with it so yeah and for anybody listening to this right now an amazing resource that's totally free to check out is called the wheel of consent it's <laughs> the name might turn people off but really it's one of the most liberating things i've ever experienced in terms of sexual connection with another human it totally changed my sex life just look up betty martin the wheel of consent it's it's awesome cool i haven't heard of that check it out i i incorporate that into every in-person workshop i do elements of that at least and Mm -hmm. pretty much every time a couple people are just totally blown wide o- wide open. And they're like, how have I gone 30-some years in my life without ever considering this possibility? You know, That's awesome. Yeah. That leads into um, one of the things I think that's been a theme in these podcasts I've been doing is how relationships are evolving, mm-hmm. and niche relationships are evolving. So one of the things that I've been seeing is like, I feel like particularly in Asheville, there's this thing of like, are you monogamous or are you polyamorous? And you have to choose one or the other, mm-hmm. you know? But what I'm like discovering and talking with people and exploring people is even that's like over now. It's like, it's like every relationship is unique and every relationship is what people want to create. And the more you're connected to your own 
um, boundaries of consent and your partners, it's like, well, everything's possible, what we want to create. And it can be, um, it can be very um, tight, strong boundaries that feel really comfortable for two people. Or it can be really open, expansive boundaries. Or it can be change at different moments or different gatherings or different... Um, so I'm wondering what, what your journey has been with that, if you've kind of, <laughs> if you've noticed that and the people that you've been working with, connecting to, you notice that in yourself, this kind of evolution of relationship. Yeah, well, yes. That's a, God, that's such a rich topic. Yeah. Um, just a little backstory for anybody listening. I've been exploring polyamory consistently. I've been in polyamorous relationships for about four years now. And to me, that's different from just open relationship um polyamorous relationship means there are multiple partners involved like long-term romantic partners and i do see the evolution of like moving beyond labels you know Mm -hmm. if i were to choose a label that would be most ideal for myself right now i would choose monogamish Mm -hmm. i'm not in a romantic relationship but when i get back into a romantic relationship i I don't want to have multiple partners. I don't want mm-hmm. to have that experience again. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually too much for me, but I personally, yeah. I'd love to be in a relationship with somebody and be able to share sexuality with them and other people together as a unit. Mm-hmm. And there's not a word that you know specifically describes that. But there's so many different flavors of relationship styles. Yeah. Like for some people, cheating would be cuddling with another person, yeah. right? But for somebody else, like that could be the most healing, liberating thing for their relationship to come yeah. with somebody else and it could light both people up. And one important thing about that is it can change. Totally. Right? So last month that could be really good for me and this month I'm in a different place where it doesn't feel good. So it's like you got to be in like continual communication with yourself, with your partner, with your the people in your life and totally. you know, really get connected to what you desire and, and, and be yeah, honest about it. Yeah, and to know that if you are going to be exploring alternative relationship styles outside of monogamy, Generally speaking, there is basically zero societal support for that decision. Like our whole society supports the monogamous relationship structure mm-hmm. and not just in government, but also in our in our social scenarios. Like you don't if you're going to a wedding, you get one invite for your partner. <laughs> you know? And I ran into this in my last long term relationship. It actually created some tension. It's like who's gonna go to the wedding? You know? Who's gonna go home together? Who's gonna go to the family vacation? Like, do we all show up? You know, do we go through the emotional labor of that experience? Uh, so yeah, gosh, so many questions. And it's not easy. Like earlier this year, <laughs> uh, I won't name names, but earlier this year I dated one of my friends, um, I dated my friend's wife for a while. And that was a really interesting experience. It was beautiful for the three of us. And we had a number of amazing conversations, a number of vulnerable shares. And it wasn't their first experience with openness. But even still, I I went into this being really close friends with all of them. And stuff still came up. And it was still challenging. And after a few months, we were like, you know what? Maybe not. Uh-huh. It's, it worked much better when we were friends. So let's revert to that before we cause irreparable damage. Yeah, you know? redefine the boundaries. Totally. Um, yeah, I think even in, um, you know, Annie and I are in a monogamous relationship, but even there, it's like, what are the boundaries? It's totally. like, and the boundaries are, it's like, it's not clear, you know, so there's communication. Then the boundaries will, oh, actually, you know, I actually want this, or I want that, or I want, so it's like we're in this, but that's, I think, I think what people are missing is 
the idea that there's this cookie cutter thing and you're just this. Totally. Or you're just this. You have to choose this. For many people, there's no choice. There's just one way, but maybe there's two ways. Mm-hmm. But what I'm discovering is like there's infinite number of ways, you know? Totally. And just and that's what makes the relationship dynamic when you can continue. It's almost like a ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like it never ends. Yeah. You know, and just feeling into what's, what's true for me in this moment, what's true for me in this moment. And, and knowing what's true for me, communicating that as, as best I can with you and you best with me, we can, you know, likewise. And then that, that maintains the intimacy. Yeah. Communication, communication, <laughs> communication. Absolutely. Which, which ties into something that I know we also, which seems very related to this actually in an f- interesting way. It's actually NBC, like, mm-hmm. cause you know, how do you communicate? Right. So it's like knowing how to like communicate basically referring to yourself and what you're feeling and what you're designing, what you're needing without implicating the other person that's responsible for it, I think is a big part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Like there's a very big difference between saying, oh, you make me so mad with right. how you talk to that guy right. versus like when you talked to that guy, yeah. I felt yeah. insecure and angry and scared. Like, yeah. holy shit, that yeah. is a huge jump. You know, from yeah. saying you make me mad. Yeah. To be able to have the emotional intelligence and the willpower to do that, it takes it takes practice, but it's it's very worth it. And nonviolent communication, NBC, is a great tool for that. Navigating the internal emotional landscape is something that <laughs> I think we should all be taking that class at like age four and five and six, you know, versus studying all the different dates of wars and, you know, <laughs> and the amount of casualties that, <laughs> that happened. Like I, I would have been much better served by knowing that I could actually talk about emotions and it wasn't going to end the world. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. The feeling and the need, right. That's the other big part of like, mm-hmm. what, what it, be able to communicate what you need or what you desire. Um, yeah. So how did this, how did this path start for you? This, this time was this something that you always from birth you came out <laughs> exploring tantra or uh, did, was there was there a turning point for you or a, a, a beginning point hmm. i'd say that i was always hmm, i was always really interested in in mystical things mm-hmm. growing up i would read books about magic and i would play video games that had a sort of fantasy edge to them you know people with swords and riding horses and and all that stuff and you know in my teenage years I also found sexuality which was Mm. really fun and those two things didn't connect at all Mm. you know there was no crossover and I studied a lot of different types of spirituality and meditative traditions and yoga and found huge separation like no meditation teacher or yoga teacher ever talked about sex and nothing in the sexual realm ever mentioned anything about mm-hmm. presence or intention. So it, it's just been a, a journey of that. And I don't think there was one point in particular where I was like, okay, this is the journey that I'm on now. But it was a, it was a growing interest that happened over time. And I started to notice that all the books that I had on my bookshelf were about <laughs> sexuality mm-hmm. and energy and intention and consciousness and... Um, life in general versus photography books which has which was what my main career has been for a while mm. and you've done um you've done photography with um that kind of, you've kind of integrated those fields a little bit too in the past so right? yeah yeah that's some powerful stuff there 
some I stay mostly in the business realm with photography. Uh-huh. <laughs> I found that it pays better uh-huh. and allows me to create other things in the world. But yeah, uh-huh. it is really interesting. One project I had recently was to bring um, bring people into my photo studio and create almost a, a ritual to go into emotion, an authentic mm, yeah. emotive experience. And so I had people sit in a semicircle and they got to play a song of their choice and go into an emotional experience. Maybe that was anger, maybe that was sadness. Mm -hmm. And then while they were doing that, while they were crying or while they were screaming fully in their rage, I would have them look at me with the camera Mm -hmm. and take their picture in that experience. And if you go on my Instagram and scroll down, you can see some of those pictures. But that was incredibly powerful to share that presence with those people in that moment and to share that presence with them with a camera to be able to connect that to whoever looks at it in the future. And part of that was to normalize the fact that, hey, we are actually very multifaceted beings with a rich inner experience and it's okay to be angry and it's okay to be Mm -hmm. sad. And when you own that and let that out, it makes life better. Mm -hmm. And like when I like there's this, I feel like you are able to, just ask questions that most people would never even think of to even ask. <laughs> this is what I love about your Instagram. Let's <laughs> back to that. Yeah. Like, and you're just exploring things that people, many people are too afraid to explore or look at or don't want to, you know, acknowledge. Mm-hmm. So, like, where does that come from? Like, do, and do you ever feel, like, afraid or do you get, like, pushback from people? Or, mm. you know, it feels like you're really, like, like I said, pushing edges that people generally don't, feel it's like something that's like oh we shouldn't even ask that kind of question but you asked the question you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I love asking those questions Mm -hmm. um for me it's like a why not but b like I don't want to live in a way that is that is programmed by my surroundings and Mm -hmm. is programmed by a society that I see as unhealthy so if I come up against something that's like pulling at me it's tugging on my interest a little bit and it is taboo like i do want to just explore that put Mm -hmm. it out there like hey what about this thing hey what about Mm -hmm. that thing like let's ask these questions and have the Mm -hmm. difficult conversation because somebody needs to or Mm -hmm. we're just going to keep doing the same shit we're going to keep getting caught up in the same consumeristic Mm -hmm. patterns and not have deeper more fulfilling relationships and this opportunity to be alive on this planet is amazing like why would you squander that on you know <laughs> going to the mall and like going to the movies and and being on autopilot and not deepening your relationship to yourself and other people like what a gift it is to be alive on this planet yeah you know? there was a poster in my old house the tantra poster and i think of the first there was like these i feel what it's called but it was these um like uh messages of tantra essentially mm-hmm. the first one i always think of is everything is an experiment I love that. I love yeah. like keeping that, that consciousness, in mind and just yeah, kind of going through life. Speaking, so you you explored. Um, I know you've you've done some stuff with posts about anal plugs. Mm-hmm. So what did you find there? That's something that was. <laughs> I thought that was something that was like you were excited about for a while. What did I find there? Uh, about anal plugs, anal play in general. <clears throat> well, there was there was something that you obviously you wanted to share it, mm-hmm. right? Because you could you could be sharing anything on on social media. Totally. Yeah. Why did I share about yes. anal plugs on social media? Exactly. That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why did I share about anal anal stuff on social media? I think that every man should 
well, every human, but specifically every man should experience some sort of anal play at some point in their life, specifically anal penetration. And here's why. Like we are, <laughs> we by our nature as having a cock, we are generally in the role of penetrating people, mm-hmm. right? We're generally penetrating people. And if we've never been penetrated, we don't really know what it's like to penetrate. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that will probably do unconsciously or unintentionally that might not allow for greater connection or greater ease or greater pleasure between people and being penetrated in some way maybe it's by your own finger maybe it's by your partner's finger or a butt plug or anything like that it allows you to to realize the level of vulnerability that it takes to bring something foreign into your body (laughs) in a sexual context Mm -hmm. like the first time i was penetrated by my my girlfriend it was really intense and i felt very uncomfortable and excited at the same time but very uncomfortable and tight and nervous and like had some anger come up and also fear come up and i was like oh my god is this is this what it's like you know is this what it's like to go through this experience regularly i can't imagine if she had just jammed her finger inside of me like and I'm sure, like, how many times have I done that with women? Uh-huh. You know, like, so it brings greater awareness to that. But also, like, it's just, it just feels good. There's, it's a huge erogenous mm-hmm. zone. There are so many nerve pathways there that are connected to, um, uh, I forget what the exact term is for it, but it's connected to the same nerve pathway as our pleasure centers and our genitals are. Mm-hmm. And we also have the prostate in there, too. And so, like, why wouldn't I explore that if it's going to feel better? Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah, go ahead. You're, and just to, to be clear, you're talking about a heterosexual man with a woman. So obviously if there's two men. But totally. But that, that, even if you're a heterosexual man, it's good to explore this realm with your female partner. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I have been, <laughs> I've had friends who are, who are um, gay two gay men and some people don't like being penetrated Mm. or haven't been penetrated as a gay man and they will only penetrate so for those people i still encourage this like yeah Yeah. try it see what happens you know yeah have an experiment so i want to talk to you about uh men and masculinity i feel like this is like another really rich subject that we've been (laughs) ready to dive into yeah get it um so there was a phrase there's a couple i wrote them down actually Healthy masculine power. Mm. What is healthy masculine power? <sighs> That's a rich topic. Yeah, it really is. Up. What is healthy masculine power? Well, I think we have a lot of examples of what unhealthy masculine power is. So the healthy masculine, in my opinion, um, is full of presence and care and there are protective qualities to it. There are sort of guiding, teaching qualities to it as well. And there are receptive qualities to it. Um, it's, it's honoring the fact that, yes, I am a man in society, and I do want to stand up as a healthy example of what it is to be a man. Like, mm-hmm. how do I show up in relationships with other men? How do I show up in relationships with other women? How do I show up in the world? What messages am I putting out there? And intention with all of that stuff, I think, is a lot of what healthy masculine power is. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to go with the direction of the whole um, 
uh, Shiva, Shakti, uh, Yang, Yin sort of dynamic. Mm-hmm. In, in the tantric tradition and some other esoteric traditions, healthy masculine power is more of that penetrating focus, that mm-hmm. penetrating, unwavering focus that uh, gives rise to the feminine's ability to be free. Mm-hmm. And and the, the flip side of that is the feminine freedom allows us to open our heart. You know, if if you're looking at that dance in a sort of give and take type scenario. Mm-hmm. Now there's other all sorts of thoughts like, yes, we have the healthy masculine and the healthy feminine in inside us at all times. And all genders do, all sexes do. Um, that's what comes up at first. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I think just the fact that you're using the term masculine and power together is really important because I think it's easy to get in this kind of thing of like men having power is bad mm-hmm. so they should not have power they should be powerless essentially totally. and give their power away mm-hmm. but I think it's like no it's actually a healthy masculine power totally like, so it's kind of like this another step up is what we really want to bring forward so it's, I think it's, a, it's an important um topic in these times we're in right now yeah there's a lot of movement happening with the masculine feminine and men and women and um i think what we what we ultimately want is well where everybody feels powerful totally you know absolutely yeah absolutely and i think some of that (laughs) some of that term healthy masculine power if i'm going to be honest and vulnerable here using that might come from some unhealthy masculine tendencies in a way. If I'm going to, let's see if I can do this. Um, so one thing I've noticed in a lot of the sort of new age spiritual uh, communities is that there has been this demise of the healthy masculine in, right. some, in some ways. Right. Like some people use the term over-feminized. Um, right. I, I prefer to use the term like passive, the passive male, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that that's become endemic in so many ways. And right. there's, if you look online, there are hundreds, if not thousands of women out there doing uh, female empowerment work around sexuality and what it means to be a woman. But there's very, very, very few men doing that. And there are very few men talking about that too. So I want us as brothers to rise up and be like, hey, actually let's be active. Let's go after what we want in a healthy way. And let's be in positions of power and do that responsibly and create the world that we want to live in versus just passively responding to shit, you know, yeah. or acting out of, out of shadow. Yeah. Or out of shame, shame. is another, is another totally. big thing or yeah. Guilt. Um, like those aren't healthy energies to stay in. I don't feel like, or, you know, to be resonating in. No, but think, they're healthy energies to acknowledge and yeah, move through. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that to me, like what I'm seeing is like, there's this idea of scarcity of power. So it's like, either you have the power or I have the power. Mm-hmm. You know, who's got the power? And I want it. No, you want it. You know? But there's but there's this waking of consciousness, I would feel like, where there's, you know, there's infinite power. Mm-hmm. And we all can re- be in that place together and yeah. share our different gifts together. Yeah, it's not a contest. No. It's not a contest. Everybody is powerful. And I want everybody to realize that power. It's not like power over. It's right. power with. Right. And that's a very important distinction. Right. And this other phrase I really like that I saw on your Instagram today, responsible privilege. Hmm. That's another great phrase. Mm -hmm. So I haven't taken what that means to me, which I can share. Yeah, let's hear it. And then I'll I'll share. 
I think that um, what it means to me is there's a lot of talk about people having privilege and that being a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? But what it means to me is whether it's good or it's bad, it's the reality of the situation. Totally. <laughs> so recognizing that then be responsible with your privilege instead of, again, wallowing in the shame or the guilt of it, which just makes you powerless and not take responsibility for mm-hmm. what, what's happening for you. To acknowledge where you are if you're in a place of privilege. You could be, you could be in a place of privilege because in certain situations because of your gender or your skin color or your amount of money you have or your status mm-hmm. or your, your family you come from or the country you come all these different things, right? Things that maybe you didn't even work to achieve. That's just, totally. just where you are. So I, I think what I like about that is instead of saying like, oh, I, I should feel ashamed, I should feel guilty. No, love who you are, be who you are, acknowledge it, but then be responsible with it. Totally. So how do you be responsible with it? How do you be responsible with it? I think first thing is to like be aware of it, mm-hmm. right? To be totally. aware of it. And then I think how you're responsible with it, it's kind of like Tantra, right? Yeah. Every situation is going to be a different, <laughs> totally different, uh, require something different. Yeah. Like it would be silly just to donate all of your money to, <laughs> to something like, and then put yourself in destitution. Like yeah. that's not, that's not good. Um, yeah, I think that's a really important thing to consider, uh, you and I, as being white, heterosexual male, uh-huh. um, are really the most privileged demographic that exists. And, you know, for me, I recognize that shows up in a way that I, I can have a public Instagram account and talk about ejaculation and talk about butt plugs and talk about sex and talk about threesomes. And people will still hire me for professional photography work. Mm-hmm. Like, Facebook will still hire me to come do a shoot for them. Google mm-hmm. will still hire me. And maybe they don't know about it, but I'm sure a number of my clients have seen that I'm also doing the sex education stuff. And I think surely if I were gay or if I were black or if I were any other combination of things other besides white heterosexual male, like it would be having larger repercussions in my life. Or people would treat me differently. Uh, I would receive threats probably. You know, I would feel unsafe walking around in certain scenarios. So a responsible use of my privilege is to really push out this content and really ask the challenging questions and realize like, hey, other men who are in power who may, might not be what I would consider healthy are going to listen to me because I look and I sound like them. You mm-hmm. know? So there's like an access point there. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's also... Yeah, it's it's just an interesting time right now. It's like the I think it's a it's like a I feel like there's there was this with the Me Too movement, there was like this space of kind of pent up uh feelings that wanted to be released, that wanted to be people wanted to be heard. Totally. And I feel like now it's like a time for a conversation, like a, a two way conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, listening and then listening to each other and so it's just good that we're having this kind of conversation, and I'm sure it will stimulate other conversation and yeah. um, be valuable. If nothing else comes from this conversation, I hope that you all listening will talk about this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> talk about it with somebody. Talk about it with anybody. Just like bring up the conversation with your friends and see where it goes. It's really rich stuff, uh, and and talking about it will can change. <laughs> it can change your life. Yeah. Uh, it can.
Yeah. Is there anything that you feel uh, inspired to share that you haven't shared yet? Yeah, so I am really excited about multiple orgasms for men. Oh, cool. <laughs> I'm really excited about the, the concept of tantric orgasms or whatever you want to call it um, and the concept of orgasmic mastery, right? Which, you know, for a lot of men, there's a struggle around premature ejaculation or being worried about ejaculating and all this stuff um, around sexual anxiety and sex. And I'm, I'm a fan of doing the work to overcome that and then doing the work beyond that to be able to experience higher orgasmic states that feel literally better than ejaculation for maybe like a hundred times as long as you would have a typical seven second ejaculation, you know? Like those realms of pleasure exist and I've experienced them firsthand. And so I have, I put together an orgasmic mastery course for any man who wants to dive into that, who wants to overcome premature ejaculation and who wants to be able to have multiple orgasms and also who wants to take their sex life to the next level and learn how to have fun and exciting, like healthy objectification of your partner, to learn <laughs> how to bring conscious kink into your relationship, to learn how to do, you know, spanking with intention so it's fun and fiery and and feels great for everybody, you know? Like that stuff is super exciting to me and that course is gonna come out in September, so if you're interested, I'm sure there'll be a link somewhere under this show, um, just to my website at least, Yep. and and you can find it there. Uh, but that's really well, exciting. Why don't you also just announce what the website is? Yeah, my website is www.taylorjohnson.life and all the links are in the menus and you'll see everything when you get there. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about shifting the paradigm around what's possible in sex for men because I think we've, we've really, we're missing out if we, don't, if we don't look into this and we don't do some investigation, we're missing out on a lot of pleasure and a lot of play and fun that we could have. And this is orgasms without ejaculation? Yeah, totally. Awesome. And it's also partially semen retention and learning how to cultivate your sexual energy and use it to uh, supercharge whatever it yeah. is that you're doing. Like maybe it's your business, maybe yeah. it's your investments, maybe it's your art. You know, you can yeah. tap your sexual energy and build it and put it into whatever you want. So all yeah. that to me is wrapped up in the term orgasmic mastery. Awesome. I do remember I had a question about porn. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Great. So, well, first off, what's your experience with porn? <laughs> so... I have so we had a, you had a journey there. I have too much experience with porn. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, wow, okay, so this, again, this could be a whole topic. Yeah. Of, of, I used to be addicted to porn, definitely. Uh, it's nice to just be able to say that out loud mm -hmm. and be like, okay, that was my reality for mm -hmm. a while. Like, I would watch porn every day or multiple times a day, and I used to masturbate to it and do so in a way that that was really hurting my life and hurting my relationships and my potential for relationships. Um, and I noticed while I was in relationship years ago, this was happening too. I was dating a woman who was by all means gorgeous, like inside and out. And we had a fun sex life and I should be, I should have been more excited to have sex with her, but I was just hooked on watching porn and I was hooked on getting to that next video and the next video and the next video and I did an experiment. I said, okay, I'm not gonna watch porn for two weeks and just see what happens with my relationship. 
sure enough, at the end of those two weeks, I was much more excited to have sex with my partner and our relationship was better. And so <laughs> I went back and forth with that struggle for a while. But the long, the long short of it is like, I've found that it's very hard for me to use porn in a way that adds to my life and mm-hmm. adds to my relationships. In fact, it's so hard that I just don't do it anymore. Unless I'm watching it with a partner for mm-hmm. the sake of like a shared experience. Mm-hmm. And then I'm having connection with an actual human in that moment. And mm-hmm. it's a different paradigm than watching it by myself. Mm-hmm. I think that's, a, that's great to bring it up because that's something that many people uh, I hear about are struggling with in their relationships and people with their children and with their partners. And mm-hmm. it's like this... You know, it's kind of a new thing that you on your phone you can just watch any kind of people having sex any kind of way you want by searching at any moment. Totally. So it's kind of a new world we're living in, and we all have to learn how to how to um, integrate that reality in our life in a way that's 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 positive and not negative or destructive. Yeah, and porn really reinforces um, it really reinforces a focus on ejaculation and the mm. goal. Like most porn that's out there, it's a build up to the cum shot, mm-hmm. and when that happens. It doesn't show two people or three people in a connective experience. It's mm-hmm. usually a close-up of the guy's cock and some part of somebody else's body, mm-hmm. right? So it sort of like fetishizes the ejaculation. And when, when you get into a sexual experience after watching a bunch of that, you better believe it's going to impact you in some way. Mm-hmm. Like it might push you more towards ejaculation versus more towards a connective uh, energetic orgasm with your partner, mm-hmm. you know, or any number of things like it definitely has an impact yeah how we doing we're good all right look at that this was uh this was great so many topics <laughs> this has been uh i feel like we've been we've been building to this for a while so i'm glad we had this chance to connect and yeah. uh feels like it's the beginning of of more totally thank you yeah this is really sweet thanks for having me and thank you all for listening it's an honor to share this time with you and uh look forward to more thanks everybody